What's up, everybody? How's it going? Welcome. Welcome to the Comet ML Office Hours, powered by the Artists of Data Science. Super excited to have all of you guys here. It is Sunday, May 9th. Happy Mother's Day to everybody in the audience. Um, I don't think anybody in this room is a mother, but you might have mothers uh, in your lives. So I want to wish everybody Happy Mother's Day. It was my son's first birthday yesterday, so that was a, a fun experience. We did a a drive-by birthday party because of COVID restrictions. People can't really come over and party and we can't really host an event. So we just had people drive up and passed out goodie bags and traded those up for, uh, for some uh, gifts, I guess. Uh, but it was a good time. So shout out to my son. Happy birthday. All right, guys. Welcome to the Office Hours. How's it going? We got Kevin Martin Tour in the room. Guys, how's it going? Yeah, it's another day. Yeah, <laughs> right on. Well, if you guys got any questions at all, go ahead. Let me know. Um, go ahead and and uh, go for it. Kevin, how's it going, man? Yep. So you're are you still not part of DSNS Dream Job? Did you try to log in there? Nope. Um, no, I haven't tried to log in. I was told I was disconnected when I couldn't pay anymore. Um, I've been unemployed since April of 2020, so yeah. I have not been able to get a job anywhere on it. <laughs> it's been crazy. So, yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I took the Google Analytics course. I've taken, I mean, I've continued to try to learn everything I can. Um, mm -hmm. So. How did you find that Google Analytics course? I don't remember. It's probably <laughs> in all, no, I mean, because I follow a lot of people on Facebook and stuff that are in data science, you know, like you and Kyle and uh, Super Data Science Club and a bunch of stuff. So I'm sure it came up one place the only thing i haven't done i haven't done my my capstone project shame shame mm -hmm. shame <laughs> yeah so what type of roles are you out there looking for i'd like to be a data manager and the reason is is i have enough technical knowledge and understanding of all the technology involved I was a dba for eight years so i understand databases i understand the data and and modeling and all that kind of stuff so I understand enough. Um, and then I've been a project manager, scrum master for 25 years. I'm used mm -hmm. to building teams. I build up teams really well. I feel I'd be a great team lead for data science, except they don't want people that can just lead teams. They want people that can do all the hands-on stuff. And that's not me. So, yeah, I mean, data management, data governance, all that stuff is super, super important part of the process. That's uh, like the entire data strategy kind of stuff is very important and we need people who know how to do that because uh data scientists can't really do their work without having good data right yep. so that's one thing i've been really working um on at my current job over the last month or so is is the data management type of stuff so it begins with just interviewing a bunch of people internally finding out what they want and what they need and trying to deliver on that um but what's your job search process currently like like what's where are you targeting how are you targeting jobs where are you mostly looking <sighs> My resume is on Dice, Monster, and LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, and I have been both just applying for jobs posted on LinkedIn or somebody has posted an announcement for a job and pinged them and talked to them. And I, I may have tried everything and anything. Um, you know, I now have like five resumes uh, mm -hmm. to try to make sure that they're targeted to the jobs and stuff like that. So... How, what's your uh, search process like on LinkedIn? Are you doing like keyword searches? Is it is it just a a? Yeah. So I guess let me let me try to reframe what the question or what the what the issue might be. Is it is it a like a, a, are you able to find jobs that you feel are interesting to you yep. that you want to go for, yep. but but they're they're not converting into like interviews and opportunities and things like no, that? Yeah. No. 
So explain what your what your process is like. So you're messaging people on LinkedIn, sending yep. out the resume, yep. and applying for jobs. Do I mean I'm doing going through the application process. Um, if it's a job I really like, and then I'll go ahead and ping or email the person that posted the job to give them a little bit more about me or stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. but and how's the response rate on that? Zero. Yeah. What's, what, are you, what are you saying in your in your message? Have you tried testing different messages and and see? No, what... I haven't. I haven't done that yet. Yeah. So I mean, the, the biggest thing I could I could say is definitely continue to reach out to people, but make sure you're targeting the right people on LinkedIn to reach out to. Yeah. The person who posted the job that's usually a good person to to reach out to. But also going into like the LinkedIn's uh, the company's kind of LinkedIn page. And then filtering that down by like recruiter, technical recruiter, and even um, like manager or higher up people in the data food chain, I guess. Okay. And just because in, in mail credits are, you know, you, you can burn through them rather quickly. So you want to make sure that whoever it is that you're targeting is actually somebody who's active on LinkedIn quite regularly. So when you, when you go to here, I'll I'll pull it up real quick just to show you guys. So if anybody is actually listening to this on the podcast, um, I'm going to YouTube right now. I mean, not YouTube. I'm going to LinkedIn right now. So you go to YouTube to see what it is that I'm doing, but let's just say, for example, here, let's go look at jobs here. Um, Let's, let's make this a real case study. Where are you looking for jobs at? Uh, Charlotte, Washington, DC, really my two Okay. Or Florida, or Florida, those three opportunities. So yeah, I'll, I'll put Washington D.C. in the search just because. Um, yep. Just because, and you can search by title, skill, keyword, so on and so forth. Right. So yeah. something you might want to do is data management. Uh, yeah, I well, I use data. Period. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, make it you know as, as targeted as possible, right? So data management, uh, or even data governance is another way we could put that here, right? Cool. And here, let's see what what happens here. So what I'm going to show you here is how I would go about applying for a job, right? Okay. So here I see enterprise data policy governance, senior associate. All right, cool. Let's say that I am interested in this job. I'm like, oh, by this, you know, I'm reading the description. It looks awesome. Cool. Uh, does it have a job poster? Uh, in this case, does not look like it. So I'll go to the company website. In this case, Fannie Mae, which I think is a huge it uh, is. credit credit type of place, who I owe a lot of student loans to. Um, yeah, no kidding. Uh, but you go to people, right? Okay. And you search. You can search by title, keywords, so on and so ah. forth. Right. So I would go technical recruiter. Okay. Uh, just because those are the type of recruiters that would tend to hire for data type of roles. And then when you go to technical recruiter, you'll see that, you know, they'll probably have a bunch of people pile up. Obviously, you want to target people who are in the location where you're applying for, right? And a bunch of people come up, right? So how do I know who to target, right? I've got like five in-mail credits and I want to maximize the probability of my message actually getting returned and maximize the probability that that message is going to result in a phone call at least, right? Uh, so I'd go through each person kind of one by one and I'd go directly to the page here and I'd look at their LinkedIn activity, right? And this is kind of like a lightweight version of stalking on people, but it's all good. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know why my internet is so slow, but you go to their <clears throat> profile right. and then typically like 
one of the first few boxes up here is right under the about section is going to be activity. And if somebody, you know, you could see how often they've posted, how often they've liked or shared or done something on LinkedIn, right? So in this case, this guy has his activity here and we could see when he was last liking and posting stuff, right? Because if it was within the last day or two, then that's probably a good person, like a, a warm lead, so to speak, that you can... Okay reach out to right so this guy's oh. you know about a week ago okay well to me you know i'd look for somebody who's more active okay within a, within a day or so right and okay. so yeah this guy doesn't really look active i wouldn't waste it in mail credit on him and just make sure that you're tailoring okay cool the res- resume itself i don't think i mean I, really enough advice on what to do with a resume i think it'll all cancel out to zero eventually but i am lazy so i just have one resume <laughs> right and i just have one resume yeah. that apply for all jobs but i'll tailor my message that I reach out to with, you know, more custom tailored, I guess is is what I'm trying to say. Thanks. Um, No, that'll, that'll help. It's something I haven't done before. So I appreciate it. And now you can let, now you can let Martin or Tor or Jill's bug, you know, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I know a lot of people are, are gaining value from this as well, even the ones listening on the uh, podcast. But just to finish my thought on that real quick, um, there's another website called hunter.io where you can um, essentially get the email pattern for a given company to to see what their email standard is like and try to reach out to people um, inside the company directly to their email. I wouldn't reach out to like a data scientist or a, or a hiring manager. That way I'd reach out to recruiters because that's their job um, to do that. So definitely do that. And then there's a few email lists that you can get on. I've got a, this email list that I'm on that gets, you know, I get a bunch of messages every day about openings. Um, uh, see if I could find one real quick, just to give you the name of that company. Um, but there's like listservs and stuff that you can get on. Okay. Um, in this case, okay. this company is called uh, eSolutions Inc. That's oh what, yeah yeah E-Solutions. they're a they're a big company and I don't care for eSolutions that much because most of the times they're recruiting for another company. Oh, okay, and, yeah, third- and they're always dis- discounting the rates because they're third party. So I- yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, man. So hopefully that's that's helpful. Like, just make sure that the reach okay. out message is is clean. Like, I've got a, a standard kind of template that I will manipulate. Um, but the entire thing I'm doing with my message when I reach out to somebody is just telling them what I could do for them, not just telling them how awesome I am, but like talking about how my awesomeness is going to benefit them. So yeah. that's a subtle shift. But um, but yeah, thanks for the question. We'll we'll continue move on. Feel free to uh, hop on with any other questions at any other point uh, if you'd like cool so let's go to either uh i'll put you on on mute here kevin just to minimize background noise there uh yeah man let's go to martin martin is a new face i don't think i've seen martin before tor my good friend tor is uh he's he's definitely a new face he's been around uh martin how's it going Uh, i'm fine thank you (laughs) awesome uh if you have any questions or anything let me know um my question is um how to 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 keep on learning <laughs> what 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 is the next step for me so i um, started uh, to learn python two or three years ago and then i uh, come to to uh, data science i did a lot um, with data and uh, learned did a, a huge um, pandas course mm-hmm. And um, actually, I think it's time to uh, to enter the um, machine learning uh, <laughs> uh, thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but I'm I'm not sure how how to start there in this field. Yeah, I'd start by doing like a like mini projects as much as possible just to start developing the skill set, developing an understanding of the workflow, so on and so forth. So uh, just kind of backtrack here a little bit. So give me a little better sense of your background here. So you. So you're currently you've been studying Python for three years. Like, are, do you have like a, a data background, stats background, math background, anything like that? Well, I'm a, actually a civil engineer, and okay. um, I'm I'm working with um, long-term um, traffic models uh, since 15 years or so. <laughs> okay. Uh, so so there there are some data which I I use all the time, uh, but not um not very in a, in, a, in a statistical way just uh, applying some uh, yeah. functions or uh, changing some data to to get to get an, an, an uh, prediction yeah so now when you say you, you want to get into machine learning is it like you've never studied it before you just kind of want to get your feet wet with it to learn and understand some of the common algorithms and what this thing is all about yeah, yeah that's right okay so I'm a big fan of of books. Um, my favorite book is uh, things called Hands-On Machine Learning with Python or Scikit-Learn. Sorry, Hands-On Machine Learning with Scikit-Learn and TensorFlow. That's a good one. And and just this introduction to machine learning. Those are um, good texts. I'll, I'll pull them up in a second here. Uh, but once you go through one of those texts, I would say the next thing is try to find the intersection of civil engineering and machine learning. So as you were speaking. Uh, I pulled up real quickly, um, just a quick Google search, civil engineering, machine learning. And it looks like there's, you know, machine learning techniques for civil engineering, a primer on machine learning applications in civil engineering. So you want to study machine learning and civil engineering, right? Uh, so I would try to find the intersection between machine learning, civil engineering, because you've got extensive experience in civil engineering. And now you're trying to blend that with machine learning. It just makes for an easier uh learning experience in in my opinion more enriched learning experience so i can give you a link to to this most of these type of papers will um kind of walk you through a general overview and process of what machine learning is all about um mm -hmm. so i'll link to this as well but the two books i was talking about in particular there was introduction to machine learning with python right uh and it's this one right here it's the o'reilly text oh uh the o'reilly text here but if you prefer online courses um so yeah i guess i should ask what type of manner do you like to consume your your educational content are you more of a books guy or more of a um, yes I, I i like i like online courses but often they are not going deep enough for me I think. yeah i did some I started one uh, machine learning course, but it was only um, shown how how it is uh, applied in in uh, Python. So just um, uh, but but not what what is going on behind all okay. this uh, okay. code. <laughs> oh, you you yeah okay. So those two books will they'll give you a, mostly just a uh, familiarity with the scikit-learn API, but they probably won't go as in depth in the math as it seems like you want to go. So for that. I would, um, there's a free book actually that's, uh, that is, uh, available. I think it's called, um, oh man, I'll, I'll get you the, the link for it. If you go to my LinkedIn page, I must've shared it recently, but it was like, uh, okay. bitly, um, it was bitly, I think it was like m mathematics of um, something like that. What did I make the, uh, that might not be it. Um, but I can, I can give you, uh, the link, um, 
in, in a second here. I'll, I'll remember what it is, but uh, it's a book that goes really, really in depth. Um, so, you know what, let me just try to find it real quick for you. <laughs> uh, but th- that's, that's what my approach would be. I'll pause here to see if there's any questions from you or any comments um, while I try to stall to, to dig this uh, link up for you. But, but please go for it. Martin, if you got any follow-up questions or comments, let me, let me know. Um, um, yeah, I, I heard some um, from, from Kiru. You know, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, um, I heard uh, he said that it is better to to start projects than uh, to learn just by courses. Yeah, projects and, are definitely definitely the way to go, right? So, um, so once you've but, built like that foundation knowledge, like you definitely start um, doing actual projects. But the projects I would recommend you do are ones that that are rooted with civil engineering. So there's that intersection of civil engineering and machine learning, just because it'll make it so much more enjoyable. You might even find opportunities for you to, uh, to you know, employ it in your current job. Uh, but projects are 100% like the best way to learn. Um, but I mean, you have to at some point start from a, a bit of source material, right? All right. So I found the uh, link here. It's uh, mathematics for machine learning. It goes super, super in depth. Um, so just a warning. Let me uh, get you the link here. All right. I'll pull it up real quick for you as well. Sorry for everybody listening on the podcast. I'm stalling here for a second. But yeah, this book is called Mathematics for Machine Learning. And it goes super in depth. Um, with all the behind the scenes math and stuff, if that's what you're interested in. Um, I know some people like to, uh, mm-hmm. it's not satisfying enough just to see what, what the API does. It's, it's good to see what's uh, going behind the scenes. So this book is really, really good for that. Uh, so one models meets data and, and a few other things. Um, and I can give you a few other links, but uh, by, absolutely like by all means do projects. You must, must do projects to, uh, to really solidify your understanding. And when you do projects, you post them on like GitHub, right? And you can share them as proof of work, put them on your resume when you start looking for jobs, right? So these are all added benefits of, uh, of doing projects. Let me know if that was helpful or not, or if, if I was just being too vague, I'm, I'm happy to... And then let me give you a link to this uh, paper that's doing machine learning techniques for civil engineering problems. Um, I think that would be really helpful, again, just because you're already so knowledgeable about civil engineering, um, that seeing how this new thing applies in your domain would make that learning curve a little bit easier. And then here's another book as well, Machine Learning in Action. And I'll give you that link here. Awesome. Cool. Well, Martin, let me know if there's any other questions. Um, as we progress, I'm happy to uh, to take them. Uh, let's continue going. We've got, we got Auntie in the house. Auntie, how's it going, man? Um, Renata is also here. Good to see you, Renata. Uh, any questions from anyone? Jill, Jill, oh, I see Jill here as well. That's fine. Yeah. I, yeah. Cool. Helps me a lot. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's uh, open the floor for, for whoever else would like to go for it. So, Jill, Renata, uh, Auntie, no questions from Jill. Awesome. Tor, how's it going? You got any questions or comments? No questions. Just a small comment. I was just looking at that book you just listed and uh, I got to page six, seven, and eight. Holy crap. <laughs> it's all oh. Greek to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally, literally all Greek. Um, yeah, that, that first link, that mathematics for machine learning, that is definitely for, for people who want to know like what the hell is going on under the hood, um, which sounded like Martin wanted that type of reference. But the other one I gave him, I think, is a little uh, more lightweight. Not lightweight. Uh, you have to be into math and really understand formulas, I guess. 
yeah, I mean, uh, app is definitely definitely an important part of, of data science, machine learning for sure. Uh, my Excel skills isn't really covering up to that level, so I have a way to go yet. That's going to be my biggest challenge. You know, it's like one thing like I mentioned, like understanding the principles and that I'm starting to get now, but to go from that and then actually being able to utilize those math skills, that means I would have to kind of go back and learn my math all over again. It's been a few years. Yeah. I mean, but that ground up approach, I, like it, it might work for some people, might not work for some people, but I mean, it, it won't work for me. I'm a yeah. hands-on, so yeah, yeah. get my Python up and running, and that's the first step. And then, yeah. you know, trial and error till you kind of get the basics, and that's yeah. how I approach things personally. So. Yeah, no, I, I like that approach. Hands-on is, you know, you always learn better by doing on the job type of type of thing. So, exactly. Awesome. Uh, let's see if we got any questions. We got we got. Auntie or uh, Renata, no questions from Auntie. Just been grinding, studying on evenings and weekends and gradually also using data science at work, little clustering project at the moment. Yeah. So as much as you can, try to find opportunities to use data science methodology in your current role. I highly, highly recommend that. When I was trying to learn Python, it's like four years ago. So at that time, I was a biostatistician. I was working as a essentially clinical trial statistician at a pharmaceutical company. All of our work was done in SAS, S-A-S, um, because that's what we would have to submit code along with the data to the federal government, to the FDA. And I wanted to learn how to use Python. So what did I do? I recreated everything that I did in SAS in Python because I had like a basis of comparison, right? Like I knew that my SAS code did this and manipulated the data this way and had this particular output. Cool. Now let me see if I can do that in Python. And I did that and just gradually started just building the skills that way. And it was, um, it was a bit of a learning curve. It took me, you know, two, three months to, to get decent at it. I'm still not like, I'm not a software engineer by any means, but I can, I can get stuff done. Um, get a lot of stuff done but that's one good way to learn is just find opportunities in your current role to leverage and use this stuff all right so let's see uh renata or or anybody else got questions go for it jill is heading out all right so what else is going on guys um we we got we got some we got some time here man i'm happy to happy to chat about anything not even related to data science to be completely honest um data science is cool and all but it's not like the only thing i like talking about so uh if you guys you know, any questions on, on anything at all. Um, you want to help me? You want to help me write my dissertation? <laughs> What's your dissertation about? Uh, uh, social mobile, social media marketing for small businesses in Charlotte. That's pretty interesting. Uh, tell me more about that. Mobile, social media marketing. Yeah. Um, you know, first of all, web advertising has only been around since 94. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's an early, pretty early thing. And mobile's only really been around um, since around 2017. The mobile searches on Google have increased over desktop searches. So four years, <laughs> mobiles have been kind of king on, on search. But the problem is, is that most small businesses, at least that's my opinion, I'll find out when I can actually do the research, is they don't know how to do it. They're not equipped to do it or trained to do it. And even though they may want to do it for their business. So I found somebody who all he did was put this business on Google Maps. Happens to be in Texas, but it's still a thing. And according to him, their income increased threefold by only going on to Google Maps only for a small business. So that's the type of stuff is to see, you know, if a small business takes the steps to go ahead and go on Google Maps or 
advertise on Facebook or Instagram. Um, I know there's millions of places they can advertise, but I'm trying to limit it so I can get my dissertation done. Um, you know, what's out there? What can they do and try to increase their sales or their customer base? Or, you know, one is just how, how are you like, I'll give an example. We went out to um, a restaurant and it was, the food was, and the service stunk and I put a nasty Yelp comment on for that restaurant. Has that restaurant bothered to even contact me or respond? Nope. Mm-hmm. So they've got this really bad review sitting out there and they haven't bothered to respond, which I don't think is proper. I think they should have at least responded to it. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Mobile uh, mobile marketing is definitely interesting. Like marketing in general is just super interesting. I find it to be fascinating. Yeah. Not just the not just like the advertising part of it, um, like doing analytics on the ad spend and stuff like that. That's interesting, but just marketing it, you know, as a field, I find really, really interesting. I'm a huge fan of uh, Seth Godin. And he's written a few books on marketing. This is marketing. All marketers are liars. Uh, a couple. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but he's, he's awesome. Yeah. Uh, read Ryan Holiday's book called Perennial Seller, which is all about marketing as well. So pretty interesting cool. stuff. So anyway, that's what I'm doing. That's nice. taking up a lot of my time as well as trying to look for a job, trying to write dissertations. So. Yeah, man, it's it's hard trying to look for a job, man. Um, I mean, I could, I could identify with that struggle. I mean, I don't know, man. I feel like some people, I feel like people in interviews, they don't ask good questions, right? Like I've been on, you know, I've been on a ton, tons of interviews, right? Like I've been on tons of interviews um, and people just, just, the interviewer was just asking stupid questions. I had somebody ask me how many models I've built uh, or how many models have I trained? And I didn't know if this was a trick question because if you include models trained during cross-validation, probably millions. Um, but I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't like, what's the point of asking me that question? Like, that's just really uh, <laughs> not, not a very useful question. But uh, also questions like, like I had somebody ask, like, you know, fairly recently, the, the interview question was um, something along the lines of data science can mean a lot of different things, a lot of different people. What type of data scientist are you? And it was a vague question looking for a specific answer. Because this position was it is not a position where you'd be deploying machine learning models into production. You'd be doing a lot of statistics and um, you know analysis and that type of respect. So what he's trying to discern is: Are you the type of data scientist that just wants to deploy models into production, or do you prefer doing statistical and and probabilistic inference and stuff like that? Um, which he did not mention about in the interview that this is what the job was, was going to be until way later. Uh, then just kind of clicked to me like, okay, well, you're just asking a really weird question. Why not just clearly state at the forefront of the interview that this is what the job will entail. Is this the type of work that you enjoy doing as a data scientist? Right. Um, so vague questions like that are really, really stupid. Um, I get a, I get a shit ton of, of bad questions. Uh, Martin, go for it. Um, how important do you think is it to, um, have a knowledge about the field uh, in that you are doing data science in, you know, can do in, in, a, in a civil engineering or. Uh, yeah. Very, very, yeah, very important. I'd say that's, that's really, really important. Understanding domain knowledge, you know, gives you more context, um, makes you more knowledgeable and understanding what the implications of what this model is that you're building, what it does, right? If you can understand the context in which it'll be used. So domain knowledge is important. Is it like a barrier to getting a job? Probably not, unless you're going super specialized, right? If you're going for like 
I don't know, computer vision or or self-driving cars type of machine learning stuff, then you know you better really, really understand that domain because um, I think it'd be hard to break into that as like the first job. Um, but if you're doing like product analytics and and stuff like that, it's you know domain so, knowledge. So I, I live in in an area uh, where a lot of um, pharma uh, companies are uh, located, and they are uh, looking for data science very often but i don't think that is that is my feel <laughs> yeah so they're probably rebranding biostatisticians as data scientists or something like that i'm not sure but feel like that you'd have to learn a lot of regulatory rules um, especially pharmaceuticals when i was in pharmaceuticals there's so much like regulatory stuff that i needed to to know um, mostly with respect to the the work that i'd be authoring like protocol sections uh, statistical sections of protocols or statistical analysis plans or things like that um it's helpful um but i mean like why not just apply for it see what happens right there's there's never do, any, do, any harm with that do you know do you know any um data science project in the field of uh, mobility um elaborate a little bit more on what you mean by mobility um what like just like people moving around mobility or like what type of mobility no the, the, the new mobility um like like um how to um predict um traffic or or um okay how to give uh, people information about um um if there is uh, any trouble ahead when they are driving in the car or public public transport um thing yeah i mean you could you could, uh, first thing i would do is just start researching the um <laughs> the domain right because there's i mean i i get a lot of knowledge from just reading white papers and research papers um because you go to the reference section and there's some great references that that kind of help you you know build a, a chain of good resources um, but just start Googling. That's the easiest thing, right? So we're talking about here, like, I don't know, traffic prediction, right? Um, so if we do traffic prediction in machine learning, and let's just see if somebody's actually done this in a Jupyter notebook uh, and see what comes up, right? So in this case, I'm doing traffic prediction, machine learning, uh, Jupyter notebook, and we got traffic sign detection for TensorFlow. That's probably not what you're talking about. Um, yeah, so let's remove this uh, file type part or even we could look for white papers. Um, so yeah, just start looking for research papers and see what happens, right? So we got deep learning on traffic prediction. All right, cool. Comparison of machine learning methods for the um, or traffic prediction architecture based on machine learning, traffic flow prediction of big data, machine learning approaches for traffic flow forecasting. All right, cool. So there you go, man. Looks like there's a ton of research in that area. Um, I would just dig into it by getting one of the um, papers that seems most approachable, kind of read through it, understand it, um, and then you know dig in a little bit deeper. Um, so for example, this one that we're looking at, a PDF just opened up because I uh, accidentally downloaded a PDF, I guess. Um, uh, don't know where it went. Here it is. Uh, and it's a comparison of machine learning methods for the prediction of traffic speeds in urban places. So let me just go ahead and pull this up here. Right? And most white papers will have, um, I don't know where the, uh, I don't know where my screen went. All right. Sorry about this. So I'm pulling up the PDF here just to show you how I would go through it. Um, so you got a bunch of people here, right? So I would, I would, if, if I, anytime I'm trying to learn how to figure out how to do something new, 
I go to a research paper, I take note of all these people and I'll add them on LinkedIn just to see if they're active on LinkedIn or see if they have like a university profile because maybe I want to connect with them and ask them questions and, you know, like, hey, your paper is interesting. Here's what I have a question on, right? That's completely okay. Um, but most white papers have the reference section, which uh, probably the best section. And I mean, this is pretty, really thorough. It looks like this is a really shows you the architecture and everything, which is really cool. Um, but what we're looking for is a references section as well, right? Um, because you might find more interesting papers that are more specific to what it is that you're looking for. Um, another thing you could do is let's say you've, you've pulled up like two or three or four white papers in the domain. Um, just print out the reference sheet from all these or the references from all these white papers and see what's common amongst those. And that's a good indication that, okay, that's probably a source of truth that I should look into. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. But that's, that would be my, my approach to that. Okay. So question here from Auntie, uh, you ask your guests on the podcast where they see data science, uh, where they see data science going in the next two to five years. What's my take on it? Uh, flipping, flipping the script on me here. Huh? So where do I think data science is going in the next two to five years? Definitely don't think it's going like away. That's for sure. It's, it's here to stay. And I think, I mean, next two to five years, I don't see anything like really, really earth shattering uh, happening. Um, we might make progress on some interesting things like self-driving cars and, and things like that. Um, but let me just stick to, to the, the profession of data science as itself. Uh, I just see it becoming, you know, more and more discreet kind of, roles, right? I, f I feel like it'll uh, move more towards specialization, oper operationalization as well. Uh, so Vin talks about this a lot, and I, I agree with his perspective on this. Um, you'll see more ML ops, AI ops type of roles pop up, more architecture type of roles pop up. That is for sure. Uh, but I think even beyond five years, I think every job is going to become a little bit of data science, right? Um, at some level for many professions, especially professions that do a lot of computation, that do a lot of uh, data manipulation, work with a lot of data, um, you'll see them doing more and more data science type of stuff, more and more analytics. Um, I mean, it might come to, it might, there might be a day where, you know, accountants start using Python scripts in their, in their Excel formats, in their Excel files, uh, which is possible, right? Because you can, you can integrate Python into Excel. Um, so I see that trend happening more. I think people are just, they're just going to be more and more data scientists at work doing data science type of work but maybe don't have the data science title, if that makes sense. Tor, go for it. Yeah, no, it's a good comment that you have. I, th I, I don't disagree with you on that. And I also think that the, I think the biggest challenge right now for, uh, so I say, streamlining data science into more jobs is the tools. I mean, Python and R and all these tools. It's not something you just get into and do, you have to sit down, learn, and then you have to use on a regular basis. Now, Excel has had extreme success because it's a tool that everybody uses, starting out with 2 plus 2 equals 4, and then kind of build gradually. Personally, I think that, like, when you want to integrate Python, etc., I think it will be an indirect arrangement where basically you will still kind of use the Excel but you will then have more standards that are going to be running scripts for you, like macros, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And over time, yeah, uh, doing data analysis right now, I'm preparing for an audit. I'm going to be starting in one and a half week. And I'm looking now at 850,000 transaction lines. 
Uh, the original data I received had 63 columns. Now I'm up to about 140 because I have to add all the extra columns to extract, streamline, adjust the data. Now, that part, the part that the Python could have done something about or R could have done for me, but as I can't program it myself, then it's just going to have to wait. So I'm still doing it manually. But uh, yeah. data science is definitely here. We're living on data. We have to analyze data. That's going to be in our everyday for the rest of our lives. Yeah, yeah. It's not like you know, there's going to be any decrease or slowdown to the amount of data being generated around the world. We've got more and more devices uh, that collect data that you know, companies are hopefully using ethically. Uh, that's something I would like to see happen in the next two to five years is maybe uh, more courses on on ethics in data science, right? Like how to, how to be a data scientist who doesn't cause harm um, or just some awareness in ethics, um, I think would be very, very useful. Um, but yeah, hopefully that, that answered your, your question there, Antti. I'm happy to, to elaborate on that. But yeah, to Torch's point, you know, you, you just, you'll start, people are going to have to start doing things involving coding because it's going to make their job easier, right? They might come across something at work where it's like, oh my God, I spent so much time doing this. I wonder if I can write something, a script or something that can make my life a little bit easier. That's um, that's the um, low code, no code development, citizen development. That's I don't know if you've heard about it, but the first time I heard about it, it says it's been around for like five to seven years, but uh, or fifteen. But for I've just heard about it where <clears throat> it allows people with no programming background to do that exact same thing. I see something that's too difficult. I want to make it easy so they can go on a low code, no code platform and they can develop the application they need to do the job better. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, a lot of low-code, no-code platforms. I think that's great. It makes it easier for people to do stuff. But once you start getting into the edge cases, like these companies that are backdoor way out, is that if you get to weird edge cases, eventually you have to go under the hood and code, and it's usually Python code that you're going to have to to write yourself. So that's kind of like their their way around it. Like you still, even if you're using low-code, no-code environment, like it's not nobody's taking your your data science jobs if they're doing low-code, no-code data science. Um, it's just a different type of person working on different types of problems, but uh, eventually even that person will have to learn how to code because something they're trying with their low code, no code environment is bugging out, not working. Um, what do they have to do? Write code. Uh, and he says this happens to him con constantly since learning R for just over a year, sees things that he used to spend so much time doing and uh, now that it is so much faster. Yeah. I mean, even like try to find ways to make your life easier somehow. Right. Like I, I had like the, an epiphany earlier this week and it was the stupidest epiphany. Like I've been using computers for a very, very long time. Right. Like I've been using computers since I was, um, I don't know, like 12, 13, maybe um, 38 soon. So I've been using them for quite some time, uh, but I never bothered to learn like shortcuts for just the operating system and, and stuff like that. Um, and I just recently made the transition to using a Mac just like two years ago and um, never really properly learned the shortcuts for, for the Mac OS. And I, I was spending time, like here's my setup, right? I've got I've got a keyboard and I got a trackpad, right? And then it's my laptop right here uh, on, a, on a stand. Um, but I'll, I'll be typing and I need to do something. And I'd spend a lot of time moving my hand over to the trackpad, moving stuff around. 
uh, it would cause wrist pain and it would just take time. And I was like, dude, this is so stupid. Why don't I just learn how to use the shortcuts on the keyboard? Uh, so then I don't have to keep on you know, going to the trackpad. And so now I only really use the trackpad or try to only use the trackpad for stuff that um, I cannot do with the keyboard which tends, I think, to be more like creative type of stuff. Uh, it's the way I'm thinking of it in my head because uh, like boring type of stuff uh, that I can imagine a computer being able to write a script for, that stuff probably has keyboard shortcuts. Um, so that, that was just just a epiphany I had. So I got another question for you. Yeah. I've heard of descriptive analytics, predictive, prescriptive, and recently I read an article about collaborative analytics. Are you familiar with it? Do you know what that entails? I haven't gotten into it in detail. I was just curious if you uh, were aware of that. I've never heard that term, but I try to input maybe what they mean by collaborative analytics because um, there's platforms that like Google, Collaboratory, or um, Databricks where data scientists can work on the same notebook at the same time collaboratively. Uh, so if that's what is meant by that, then then I think that's that's awesome. But let me look this up. Let me Google this real quick. Real quick. Collaborative okay. analytics. analytics. Uh, so yeah, I've never heard of this thing uh, before. Yeah, it just I mean within the last couple of weeks I've read about it. So, uh, so it's essentially it says it combines business intelligence software with um, some type of increased analytics teams knowledge. All right, so yeah, it just looks like it 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 makes it easier to collaborate with maybe non. Uh, data scientists or non super technical type of people on a project, which I think is great. Uh, we need more of that. I agree. Yeah. Do you need to learn it right now? Like, you know, probably not just uh, learn it kind of on the job when you need to on demand. That's my theory for pretty much everything is just master the basics master the fundamentals and learn new things on demand when you need to, because if you have a solid foundation, solid fundamentals, then you can learn anything you need to. I think like, I spend a lot of my time now like reading books that are related to the field, but not textbooks, right? So for example, uh, this book right here that I'm going through, The Book of Why by Judea Pearl, right? Um, it's it's a book, it's a statistics book, but it's not like, you know, a, a textbook um, that you would go through with like an online course or a class like that. Um, but these type of books, I feel, give me a better intuition of the dry facts that I learned in school. Because in school, all throughout grad school, like I learned a shit ton of um, formulas and I learned how to do things with formulas, but I never really uh, understood the history of, of some of the stuff that went behind there. So these books are really interesting uh, for that purpose. Uh, this one, I'm interviewing the author for this one, Shape. Uh, Jordan Ellenberg also wrote How Not to Be Wrong, Power of Mathematical Thinking, uh, New York Times bestseller. I haven't read through this yet. Probably start that later this week. Uh, but let's go to Joshua. I saw Joshua. Um, if you got a question or anything, man, let me know. I saw he was unmuted very briefly. Uh, or Renata, if Renata has a question, Joshua, go for it. I see you're unmuted, but I'm not able to hear you. All right. Uh, Renata, how are things going with you? I know you got a lot of advice and, and information last week. I'm wondering if uh, if you made any progress on, on those projects you're working on or trying to work on. All right. It does not seem like it looks like Renata's audio is... Uh, failing. Um, but yeah, let me know if anybody else has questions. Got just a few more minutes here, so I'm happy to uh, to stick around. Just wanted to quickly follow up on what you were mentioning about, you know, choose and learn on demand. Yeah. Similarly, I mean, that's technically what I do in every day when you get requests. Um, this probably relates to data science as well, is that 
I always evaluate whether that is something that's going to be a one-time thing or is this something that's going to be a regular type of whether it's a report or a summary or some sort of delivery. And given if it is something that I expect that's going to be coming again and again, then I will spend a lot of extra time to properly develop so I don't have to redo it again in the future. So I assume it's a similar thing with that science. You could probably do some very quick things to get a result. But on the other hand, you can probably, if you believe that this is something that's going to be used again, you will probably spend more time to prepare and properly design something so that it can be reused again. Yeah, I like that approach. That's a, a excellent, excellent approach. Yeah, man, it's all about the master the basics, master the fundamentals. Like I, like I, I hear this a lot from you know, students at or mentees at data science dream job. They're just like, all right, well, I studied this and I studied this. I've studied machine learning. I've studied this algorithm, that algorithm. Which algorithm should I learn next? And it's like, well, how about stop studying the algorithms and just try to use one of them for a change and compare them and see how that works. I think that's a much more fruitful effort. Uh, so it looks like Josh is having, Josh was having network issues. Renata's having mic problems, but Antti got a question here. Uh, do you have one great book for learning statistics basics for a non-mathematician? Uh, I've been reading the comics you mentioned, but looking for a good book to read next. Yeah, I, I love uh, the comic series, the cartoon guides. Those are uh, some of my favorite books. Um, but a good book for statistics basics for a non-mathematician, um, Naked Statistics by by Charles Whelan. Um, that's a great book. Uh, but I'm not sure if you want more. That's like a textbook type of a book, because um, I mean, realistically, every textbook type of book will have a bunch of math in it. So it is by design made Stati- for a mathematician. Statistics for Dummies is an excellent starter statistics book which is very high level, very easy to understand. And then you can go from there into deeper articles later. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, those four dummies books are awesome. I love them. Um, I've got a few of them sitting here. I got a few of those books there. I mean, they break stuff down and make it easy to to understand. So definitely that's a good recommendation. If you're looking for more of a book that's uh, just kind of a nonfiction book about statistics and how it's used, uh, widely used in, in a bunch of different fields and domains, uh, then I would recommend that Naked Statistics by Charles Whelan. That's a good one. Um, yeah, that that's the, I got a bunch of other ones here, but uh, how not to be wrong. No, not how not to be wrong. Uh, how to Measure Anything is actually a really good book um, by Douglas Hubbard. Uh, a lot of good stats in that book, not really designed for mathematicians, more just for, for the thinking business people. So highly recommend that one as well. But if you're looking for more of a textbook um, type of thing, then yeah, definitely go for that Four Dummies book right on. Uh, so hopefully everybody is doing well today. I uh, wish you guys a very happy Mother's Day to all the mothers listening to all of you guys' um, the mothers in your lives. Be hanging out with uh, with my wife and, and baby very soon right after this. Um, hopefully you guys had a chance to check out the episode I released from my podcast just a couple of days ago um, with my friend Prachi Talker. Uh, that was the interview I released. Um, the office hours will be released a little bit later. I didn't get a chance to work on them uh, yesterday due to my son's first birthday. So I'll edit and upload those a little bit later today. So if you guys are waiting for that, that'll be available. Um, got some great interviews coming up for you guys on the podcast in the very near future. Um, next week is actually with Dennis Rothman, I believe. he um, He's an interesting guy. I think you guys will enjoy that conversation, man. I really enjoy talking to him. He's uh, 
author for Pact. So he's written a bunch of books for Pact. Uh, the most recent of which is all about Transformers, which um, which my friend uh, Tom Ives is is all about as well. Uh, but yeah, that episode will be released this uh, Friday. Got a bunch of other interesting stuff coming up on the podcast, just to name a few episodes dropping in the coming weeks. Uh, I've got an episode releasing with um, Steve Nori in a few weeks. I've got one with Kenji coming up in a few weeks here. Um, and interview with Chase Caprio. Chase Caprio works for Impact Theory. Uh, so that's Tom Bilyeu's company, and I'm a huge Tom Bilyeu's fan. So that's a good one. I really enjoyed speaking with him. Interviewed Dave Gray, who wrote the book Liminal Thinking and a bunch of other books. So that was really fun, fun interview as well. Uh, and then an interview with a philosopher, uh, Jamie Woodhouse. We're talking about this philosophy he developed called sentientism, which should be interesting. Does not look like there are any other questions. Look, I stalled for as long as possible. Uh, so guys, thank you so much for spending part of your Sunday morning with me. Enjoyed having you here. If there's any last minute questions, now's the time. Kevin, any last minute questions? No, just going to awesome. say thanks. Right on Martin or Tor or anybody else. Awesome. No, I'm fine. <laughs> right on, man. Well, you guys take care. Have a good rest of the weekend. Remember, you've got one life on this planet. Why not try to do something big? Cheers, everyone. <laughs>